Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Purple Daily. Before we get into today's topic, which is going to be under the radar Vikings going into 2020 and the ones that are the most important. Dennis Kirk. A quick thank you to Dennis Kirk and DennisKirk.com. So uh, this has been a ridiculous year so far, but the weather has been maybe the best this summer that I've seen in Minnesota in about 10 years. And if you are a rider of motorcycles, Dennis Kirk is the place for you to go for parts, accessories, you name it. DennisKirk.com. Order by 8 p.m. Get it tomorrow. They have thousands and thousands of products ready to ship right now and $89 orders ship free. DennisKirk.com. Order today. Get it tomorrow. Football. And welcome into Purple Daily. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, Courtney Cronin, Declan Goff is producing. And today's episode is all about under-the-radar Vikings that we think are the most important for 2020 success. And I'm going to define it this way. Welcome to the episode, Courtney Cronin from ESPN.com. Thanks for hanging out with us. I'm going to define it this way. I'm going to take Kirk Cousins, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, Daniil Hunter, Eric Kendricks, and the two safeties, Harrison uh, Smith and uh, Anthony Harris. Basically, I'm taking the best players off the board. And then all of us, let's go around the room. We'll start with Courtney. One Vikings player under the radar that you think, if, if, if this person doesn't perform at a higher level or take a step forward, or if it's a rookie, if they don't perform well, um, it's going to be tough for this team to do well in 2020. Courtney. Well, I, I think that it's maybe not even under the radar now, be just given like the spotlight that's, you know, kind of suddenly gone on Armand Watts. But um, you know, the PJ Hall era did not last very long in Minnesota. Um, yeah, wow. That's what being fat does. <laughs> you don't pass a physical when you're too fat, I can confirm. I mean, oh my God, that was what a trip. Um but no, I mean, Armand is like the, the most net, like the most logical answer next. And I mean, of course, like he could potentially be a starter at nose guard this season. And um, if you think about that, like, you know, if Shamar Stefan doesn't move over, like, I don't know why. And I'm going to ask Andre Patterson about this. Like, can Shamar play nose tackle? Like, I know that he did before. Like, he's more of a nose tackle than he is a three technique. So maybe that's in the plans. But 
you know, to me, they've got to stop the run. Like, I mean, this is a very good run defense by and large, but they lost a lot of pieces from it. And the job that Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr have to do in the middle is so reliant or was so reliant on how good Linville Joseph was for this team. And even Brian O'Neill, like, um, you know, we, we were talking with him the other day and he mentioned, I just asked him, I was like, so what's the, you know, you're in like shorts and t-shirts and you've got like the pads and you guys aren't like actually hitting each other yet. Um, but what is it like seeing a new look defensive line? And he's like, yeah, it's a little weird not seeing LJ over there in the middle. Um, that's going to take some getting used to, not just for this offensive line, but for this defense. So Armand Watts, all of a sudden, like that whole next man up thing. I mean, he's got like the weight of the world on his shoulders right now. Um, he just came off the reserve COVID list. So I assume that means he's going to be returning to practice soon. Um, if if they can't stop the run, they, they had leaky, they had some gaps with that last year, which was a problem. Um, by and large, they're still a very good team of stopping running back screens. Most of that, you know, obviously defensive line, but that's, you know, with your linebackers and stuff like that. That's why Eric Kendricks is so good. But they've got to stop. They've got to stop guys up front because if they, you know, if that becomes an issue, then that's going to be a serious problem for this defense. Do, do you think uh, very vulnerable? Do you think, think that there remains an off chance that once camp does start, they sign a veteran there? Because I got to imagine that Mike's going to take a couple looks at that and be like, uh, "I need, I need more a gap help than that." I need a snacks, Harrison. I right? got, yeah, I need um, a snacks. I need something there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was kind of surprised when like the whole PJ Hall thing fell through that there wasn't somebody signed like kind of right then thereafter. But you know, maybe maybe we get to like week three of training camp and that does happen because you're right, Judd. Like. It's some. It's just a position you don't want to screw around with, like especially with the defensive line. And if Andre Patterson's your co-defensive coordinator, and he says, "Yeah, there's a need here," then you've got to be able to relay that to the front office and the personnel staff of like, "Go get me somebody," because with Michael Pierce's five million dollar you know cap hit this year, like in the relief that they get not having to pay him the what is it three million dollar base salary and twenty the goes to tolls for next year, mm-hmm. but that gives them some flexibility to work with. Obviously for Dalvin Cook's contract extension, if and when it happens, uh, but also to be able to go get a veteran free agent that's still in the market. And I do think that that is something um, that they should certainly consider because that position is one. I mean, it there's a reason that in free agency the nose tackle position was the one that they spent the most on because. They wanted a younger, healthier, bigger, more stronger version of, of Linville Joseph. And they got that, but the guy opted out for the 2020 season. So certainly that's a position of need on the defensive line still. And, you know, if, if, if they don't get it fixed, either with like a veteran or somebody that really comes along on their own in camp, they're going to be in trouble. It's the first time in years that the Vikings have gone into a season with only one truly reliable and track record defensive lineman. Yep. And so it'll be, mm-hmm. I mean, they just had, they've had, Everything from the Williams wall to Jared Allen, Everson Griffin for all these years, Brian Robinson. Like you have to go back to early two thousands probably to to find uh, certainty problems along the defensive line. Judd, who's your key under the radar player? Oh, this is so juicy. There's so many <laughs> choices here because if these guys fail, the Vikings are absolutely screwed. Uh, I'm going to to go with a guy who is going to become or should be quickly here, a household name. But if he fails or can't stay on the field, they are in, in my opinion, massive trouble. Mike Hughes. Mike Hughes mm-hmm. uh, Mike Hughes doesn't just need to start. Mike Hughes needs to start. He probably needs to start on the outside, be the primary guy to move inside, which is a huge job. Those two jobs are different, but I think Hughes has that capability. He needs to stay healthy, and he needs to not be Xavier Rhodes in his prime, 
but he needs to be a very, very reliable, good, solid, I'm playing every week player. I don't get injured. I don't get the COVID. I don't get nothing. There's nothing wrong. Um, if that doesn't happen, look at the depth here, guys, and look at the experience here. And you're asking people, I think, to do things with, with basically Zim loves to mold the cornerback clay, right? I mean, there mm-hmm. hasn't been time to mold that clay. Like, yeah, I can talk to I can talk to Jeff Gladney on Zoom all yeah. I want about concepts, um, but that's not going to get him into a place to be successful against the litany of yes. good quarterbacks they're facing. Yeah. So, Mike Hughes is my guy. That if something goes wrong there, I don't see how you're not in trouble. I think that there are some positions, like most positions in the NFL are like you've just got to be thrown into the fire to get a feel for the speed and to get a feel for everything. I think cornerback is probably at the top of that list because, like you just said, you can talk about the concepts and you can watch film and, all right, well, here's the tendency of this wide receiver you're going to face or of this offensive scheme. But until you're out there, and Mike Hughes at least has played NFL games, unlike Jeff Gladney has never even, like, experienced the speed of an NFL wide receiver. Mm -hmm. And so, like, that type of stuff is really, really important. And so I, I agree, like... Quarterback is like you're just you're reacting to scheme, you're reacting to quarterbacks, reacting to the speed of wide receivers and route running, and you just have to get out there and get a feel for it. And you're just going to be thrown into week one. All right, go get them, have fun, figure it out. Yeah, uh, Declan Goff, who's your key under the radar player? Yeah, actually, I'm going to go with the Viking, uh, a rookie for the Vikings, and kind of go against what you guys were just talking about. It's how difficult it is to be a cornerback, and I understand that there's going to be some some hiccups with some schemes and stuff. But I'm really intrigued by Cam Dantzler and what he can do. Yeah, this dude's humongous. Point. I mean, for a cornerback six foot two, over two hundred pounds, I know his pro day was basically a disaster. But he mostly he was a pretty damn good player in college, and, and according even to Pro Football Focus last year, um, he had a grade of fifty seven passer rating against him. That was fourth best in the SEC. So this guy is really good, and I, I think he, I look at him kind of like Xavier Rhodes. He might be a project, right? It might take him a while to get his feet wet, but this is the kind of guy Zimmer's going to love to mold. And with the cornerback position basically up for grabs after Mike Hughes, I'm excited to see where this guy slots in. And he deflected a lot of passes too in college. I'm excited to see what he can do in the NFL. Me too. I think that that's a really good one, Declan, because, you know, you don't have proven corners. I mean, Mike Hughes is a veteran. He's played 20 games in his career. Um, Are you going to sign another corner? Because clock's ticking. I mean, Logan Ryan is still out there. I think that that would be a great pick. But, like, if you're not going to start Mike, if you start Mike Hughes at the nickel um, and you've got two vacant spots, well, is it Jeff Gladney? And then is it a fight between Holton Hill and Cam Dantzler? Like, can Holton Hill stay on the field this year? I mean, there's a lot to factor in there. I think Cam Dantzler is probably, like, sleeper of the entire rookie class of somebody who could make, like, legitimate contributions as a rookie, and you might just not expect that early on. He also has a chance to go in a long line of of prominent and successful third-round Vikings cornerbacks, the likes of Marcus mm-hmm. McCauley, Josh Robinson, and okay. Asher Allen, if he... <laughs> If he pans out. Out. <laughs> he was too tiny. Someone's got to break the string of terrible third-round Vikings cornerbacks. Dustin Fox. But Zim, de- one but Zim develops those guys through what? Uh, OTAs, mini camps, right? right. Like that's the, that's the thing is Zim Zim's greatest ability, which is to stand on sunbake practice fields and complain <laughs> and cajole and grab guys and be like, "Here's where you need to be." For this year, that's just gone. Yeah, and I mean, think about like the you talking about like third round corners, Judd. 
Um, think about how long it took Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes to get it together. Mackenzie Alexander it took him four years to, to figure it out. And yeah. the other two took him. It's that three-year trajectory. I mean, that's something that Mike Zimmer has talked about for years. I remember doing a story with Trey um, his third season when I got here in 2017 about the light finally coming on and it finally clicking. And that's why it was so rare when Mike Hughes was a rookie, Zim singing his praises. It's like, that doesn't happen for rookie corners. Um, Mike Zimmer's not afraid to, you know, in a way it's like tough love, like tear him down to build him up. <laughs> um, and, you know, he's not afraid to call out what you're doing wrong, which is why I think, you know, another guy you could probably throw into that mix is Chris Boyd. Um, he's absolutely making this roster. He's, they don't have cornerback depth, but what kind of role does he play? I mean, he had a really good end of the season last year. I mean, he was a seventh round guy. Mike Zimmer worked with him quite a bit. Um, you know, he looked terrible in the preseason, still was somehow able to, you know, kind of be around because of special teams. He was a really good gunner. Um, but then he finished the year with 22 tackles and he had a fumble recovery, a pass breakup. That's not a bad stat line for somebody who, you know, was really going in um, because, you know, your, your other guys were, were, you know, decaying in front of your eyes with, with Rhodes and, you know, Wayne's and his up and down stuff and everything else. But he's somebody I think that could be in that mix too, that would really probably really surprise you um, if he makes like significant contributions, but they might really need it from him this year. So I might be cheating. This might be a borderline under the radar guy. Cause he's certainly not under the radar in terms of where he was drafted. Uh, we spent some time talking about him in our state of the offensive line episode, but I'm going to go with Garrett Bradbury for a lot of different reasons. All right. Back to the pro football focus rankings for a second. You had 30 NFL starting centers, play at least 50% of snaps. So 30 guys got at least, you know, four or 500 snaps worth of sample size. Garrett Bradbury was dead last in pass grade. In fact, only two guys on a one to 100 scale, only two guys rated below 50 in pass blocking. Garrett Bradbury was one of those two guys and his rating was 38.7 in the pass blocking game. And as we talked about on the state of the offensive line episode, interior pressure, is critical or lack thereof to Kirk Cousins' success. And so, Mm -hmm. I mean, the Vikings, you look at the success that they've had throughout the last 20 or 25 years, yes, having a left tackle is important and having a quarterback is important and skill position players and defense, all those things. But the one consistent thing they've had throughout the last 25 years, for the most part, good, reliable starting centers. Jeff Christie in the 90s, Matt Burke in the early 2000s, John Sullivan for a period in the early 2010s. And uh, and they drafted Garrett Bradbury, hoping that he would be the next guy that could play for seven, eight, yeah. nine years. So it's time for him in his second year to take a big step forward and become as, as important as left tackle is. I think center should almost be a similar part of the conversation, especially if you don't have a mobile quarterback. The guy is at the center of calling out any sort of blocking audibles. He is connected to the quarterback more than anybody. Um, so Garrett Bradbury is mine. Your thoughts? Yeah. Everybody? He, I mean, those two games, you think about Atlanta and then you think about like the later Green Bay game when I think both of them, he had like a 0.0 pass blocking grade from uh, pro football focus. And, you know, Mike Zimmer talked about, you know, it's just, it was such an up and down year for him last year. I think part of that is he didn't have what Pat Alfline had the luxury of having, um, you know, that first year of having Joe Berger on the right and Nick Easton on the left, two guys who had played the center position before it could help him. I mean, hell, half the time Nick Easton was, was yelling out the call from what yeah. Pat Alfline told me. Um, and it's not that Garrett didn't know like what the calls were. I mean, it's more of just like the physical overpowering, um, you know, of facing really good interior defensive linemen. So, 
you know, I, I haven't laid eyes on him outside of like photos and, you know, the little bit of stuff we've seen from the Vikings. I, I think when we get out there to see who's actually bigger and to see who actually looks like a true veteran offensive lineman in the NFL, it's going to be really telling because half of it's not getting bodied out there. And yes. that's what happened with him last time. He was just getting trucked right back into Cousins. Cousins couldn't step up because he's running right into Garrett Bradbury. Like, <laughs> what do you want him to do? And the butt, um, sweat, the butt sweat, too, became a problem. Yeah. I mean. Oh, yeah. were, were we able to trace any fumbles back to butt sweat last year? We, always thought, we always thought that no. we might get that, though, from, from Kirk. We did. Because Kirk could do that. Well, you know, I mean, it was good. that ball was pretty wet. <laughs> um, ball was pretty yeah, wet. Yeah, God, remember that? Like, it was like literally about a year ago right now, that storyline. Yeah, and Garrett Bradbury did not think that was funny. Yeah, the toughest, no, condition, the toughest conditions in the NFL are snowy Lambo, rainy Seattle, and I would say anything to do with Garrett Bradbury's butt sweat. Those are just the three mm-hmm. toughest conditions. I refuse to write that story because I was like, <laughs> I didn't even send it to my news desk. Like, I mean, just- Put that in your clips. Put that in your clips going forward. Resume clip. That's a great one. Hey, hey, one more. And and this guy should be prominent, should be very good. I think he's there. But but I'm really curious to see how Koobs uses this guy, especially in the offense with Diggs gone, Irv mm-hmm. Smith Jr. Oh, Irv Smith, I think Irv Smith, if Irv Smith Jr. plays all 16 games and is not a Pro Bowl player, I think something went wrong. I think he's got that potential. I mean, this guy first year to me was really good and now he should he should be given the opportunity, I should say, to do a lot more. Yeah, no, you're you're spot on. Irv to me is if you're I wouldn't call him under the radar cuz he's, you right. know, I don't know if he falls in that category, but he is who is going to have a breakout season like on everybody's list for the Vikings because you think about their tight end usage last year and what they did with all of that 12 and 20 or, you know, 22 personnel, they used more of it than anybody else in the league, um, you know, 12 personnel. And, you know, the tight ends early on were blocking tight ends. And that's what Gary Kubiak, when he's talking about Irvis swimming last year, they're throwing so much at him because he didn't have to do a lot of that at Alabama. I mean, to a degree, yes, but he was a big ass receiver at Alabama. That is what he was running routes over the middle and trucking guys from the slot. That is what he did. And, um, lining up as an H back, he had his hand in the ground. He's in line. I mean, he's all over the place. We saw some of that. Football. She dropped a twenty-two personnel, man. Why don't you drop a twenty-two personnel? That's all football. I'd say hand in the ground is another one that always oh, calls yeah, I for love the that. football yeah. sounder. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like they, yeah, it's their twenty-two, their their twelve personnel was their most popular grouping. That was thirty-five percent. Then it was twenty twenty-one, which is twenty-two percent. Then they had eleven. So take out 22. I mean, it's, it's somewhere in there, but it's not like those top, you know, of the personnel groupings. But I asked Kyle Rudolph about that the other day, because I'm curious, I mean, we're never going to talk to these guys again, because we get them about once a month with like, you know, since we can't do in-person interviews. So I'm like, big picture question here, how much like, you know, personnel groupings wise, you're relying on tight ends. You don't have a dynamic playmaker like Stefan Diggs anymore. And you don't really have proven receivers outside of Adam Thielen. So if that's the case, you're going to be looking at a lot more 12 when you're even maybe even some three tight end sets because you have guys like Kyle Rudolph who, you know, is still a great red zone threat for sure. I don't think that that will change for him, but I do think that Irv's going to pass him up pretty much everywhere else on the field. And in terms of finishing with, you know, the most receiving yards from the tight end position, Kyle's had that unlocked since, you know, last really, I think since he's been here, I think that this is the year that Irv Smith passes him up in that category. Yeah. 
So there it is, under the radar, or we sort of cheated on a couple of those. But uh, yeah, he was he's cheating too, probably. Okay. But that's yeah, guys that need to get their asses going basically for the Vikings to have a good season. That's a wrap on this episode of Purple Daily. Thanks for hanging out with us, Mackie Judd, Declan producing, Courtney Cronin from ESPN.com. You can always click the subscribe button on our YouTube page, YouTube.com/scorenorth, to help out the show. And uh, and maybe leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple as well. And we'll see you next time.